T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back in here on Cody and Gold, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. Of course, we're live from Radio Row, brought to you by Raygun and Baker University. Happy to be joined by our next guest, Chiefs Chairman and CEO Clark Hunt of the Kansas City Chiefs. Clark, I guess you're probably getting a little used to this, which is a good thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a pleasure to be here. We're so glad to be in Phoenix and obviously playing in another Super Bowl. It's really a great T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com opportunity for the organization i know you've talked a lot about it but i mean i'm sure at some point you have the conversation and you sit back and you're like okay we've come a long way since 2012 i know the story was you're standing on the tarmac telling andy he can't leave (laughs) i'm assuming you go back at that decision be like oh thank god i did that and didn't let him go somewhere else yeah you you know with the benefit now of a a decade having andy as the head coach i i do reflect uh you know back on that as a real turning point uh, for the franchise. I mean, he, you know, he came in the job he did in year one, where we opened the season nine and zero with essentially the same roster that we had had the year before, where we only won a couple of games. Uh, just a real testament to what a great coach Andy is. Now five straight AFC Championship games and three Super Bowls. So credit goes to he and our, our general manager Brett Veach. You've seen so many different iterations of this team, going through so many different eras of Chiefs football. Whether it was 
coming up as a kid and watching how your dad ran this team and then taking over yourself and then now experiencing the success that you guys have. Have you have you evolved how, how you sort of um, philosophically try to run this organization? Are there things about your job that you feel like have changed over the years as you've seen different types of, of teams and different uh, maybe cultures come through the organization? Yeah, I, I've reflected on the, the last 15 years since I uh, took over for my dad, and I certainly have learned a lot, and, I, and I'm sure that I, I've changed and matured as, as we've gone along. You know, probably the biggest uh, change was the organizational change that I made at the beginning of the 2013 season where I separated uh, the head coach and the general manager and had them both report to me. Historically, the general manager reported to me. The general manager hired the head coach. And I wanted to be in a position where I was the one leading the search to find the head coach. And then secondly, I wanted to be in a position to have uh, more frequent conversations with the head coach about the football team. Um, so I wasn't just hearing it all through the general manager's eyes. And that's really proved uh, you know, beneficial t- uh, to me over uh, the last 10 years. And, of course, Andy's you know, such a great guy to, to work with, and uh, I've learned a lot, lot working with him. When, when Andy took the job, did he express any interest in being, like, the general manager too? Because, like, he talks about that time, like, nah, I was done with it. I wanted to be a coach. Did he express any interest in being like, you know, I don't mind. I kind of like that job too, or was it – I want to be a coach, and you find a general manager. Yeah, that was one of the topics that we covered very early on in, in that interview uh, because I had, had made the change, and I wanted the, wanted the jobs uh, separated. And Andy, right off the bat, said, look, I did both in Philadelphia uh, part of the time I was there, um, and I enjoyed it. But what I really want to do is I want to be the head coach. And the game's gotten more complex. There's more to it. I think I can be a better head coach. Uh, if we bring in somebody else uh, to do the, the general manager's responsibilities. And uh, so anyhow, we, we got that, that you know, off the table right, right away, which you know, was, was one of the big questions I had, as I mentioned. You, you talk about not getting or maybe getting used to this, having done this now three times in four years. You expect to have success, especially with the coach you have, the GM you have, the quarterback, the players. Do you, do you still try to fight the urge of making this feel normal? Like, do you still want to sit back and sort of smell the roses and think about, like, this is special to have a run like you guys have had because very, very few franchises get the chance to experience this ever, let alone in a four-year span? Yeah. Uh, um, well, first of all, it is very special, and, and I, I don't, don't want to miss that, and we feel very blessed to have had the success that we've had uh, over the last five years. At the same time, I don't want to get complacent because mm-hmm. the minute you get complacent in the National Football League, uh, somebody else is going to knock you off at the top rung. Um, there were a lot of teams that were gunning for us uh, this year, both in the division and in the AFC, that really loaded their rosters up uh, in part to be able to, to beat us. And uh, in a year of rural transition for the, for the Chiefs, um, you know, we were able to over, overcome all of that. And that's a credit to general manager Brett Veach and the job he did with the roster, particularly uh, the draft choices, uh, many of whom have played, you know, so well during the year. So I, you, you can't get complacent because the minute you get complacent, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be headed the wrong way. So how do you, how do you kind of walk that tightrope of, hey, this is great, everything's working, I trust these guys. Let's make sure we're just keep. Let's keep this train moving. Versus, how are we thinking next step ahead? How are we thinking two years down the line to make sure you don't hit that wall and all of a sudden say, maybe that complacency did set in a little bit. Yeah. 
Well, uh, one of the, the big benefits that we have is having Patrick under contract for as long as we do, really another nine years uh, after this season. That allows us to focus on continuing to build the roster around him. A lot of times when you have a quarterback on a, on a shorter contract, you're thinking about this window uh, that you have that might only be two or three years and how can we load the roster up and maybe sacrifice the future salary cap uh, to try to create space this year. Mm -hmm. We're really in a position where, where our goal is to figure out, okay, how can we be as good next year uh, as we were this past year and how can we you know, keep it going for another, another two or three years? And that really starts with, with uh, Patrick and the stability he brings to the organization. When, uh, I think I, I just read an article this week, uh, and it was talking about Brant Tillis said like two weeks after you drafted Patrick Holmes, like, hey, you better figure out how to pay him. <laughs> like you better start now. I don't know how to tell you. Drafted a guy tenth overall, so we better start figuring out how much money we need to pay this guy. Because let's just assume he's good. Because yeah. that's the easiest way. Is that about how early Brant brings up? Like, hey, we're going to have to pay the quarterback. Well, of course, you know, Brett had been on Patrick for two years yeah. before we we drafted him, and and uh, as Brett famously said, he he thought he was the best player that he had ever seen. Which Turns it, out he's probably right. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> at the time it sounded like a, a an like, over, sure, overstep, Brett. but yeah, but he he was ex he was exactly right about that. So I, I think a lot about that that first season where Patrick was the backup and Alex you know was the starter and Alex had this tremendous year, but I kept getting clips that Brett would send me from training camp of Patrick doing things that nobody had ever seen, right, including the no-look pass, right? I knew what a no-look pass was in basketball. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I had seen it in soccer, but it didn't happen in the NFL. Quarterbacks don't make no-look passes, but he was doing that kind of stuff in practice, and I think that's where, where Brandt and, and, and Brett and the rest of the staff sort of you know, realize, hey, we've got something special, and pretty soon we're going to have to pay him. I know the Royals are talking about uh, moving downtown, building a downtown stadium. How much time have you guys started started to put into what Arrowhead can become in the future? What is sort of, whether it's a five-year, ten-year outlook on what Arrowhead can become and what changes will be made to the stadium? Yeah, so uh, we started thinking about uh, the future of the stadium a couple of years ago when, when the Royals uh, started working on, on the direction that they want to head. Uh, at the time, it was a little bit early for us because we had ten years left on, on our lease. Uh, at Arrowhead, but I, I've learned over time that, that stadium renovations or construction, that, that takes uh, a long time. So probably good that we started th thinking about it. Um, you know, we had a, a renovation of the stadium back in 2009, 2010 that really modernized it. And uh, I think it's still one of the best places to watch a football game in the country. But the building is 50 years old, and, and we've got to think about that and think about what's best for the future of the franchise, what's best for our, for our fan base. Would it be a, a new stadium or another renovation on Arrowhead? So it's something that we're working on, and we're trying to work in tandem with the Royals on, on their process as well. How tough is that? Just knowing, I mean, this is I mean, the mecca for NFL football. This is widely regarded as the greatest football stadium. How tough is it to say, like, I don't, I don't really want to touch this. I don't want to mess with anything, but also there is sort of this idea of keeping up with the Joneses in the NFL and making sure you're doing the same things that are going to keep you guys at the top end. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. That That's a big part of the calculus is, is thinking about what Arrowhead means to, to our fan base. Uh, there are really sort of two stadiums in, in the league that, that um, are older buildings that I think almost every football fan during their life wants to go to, one being Lambeau and the other one uh, being Arrowhead. 
And when I'm out in the parking lot with our fans tailgating, you know, I, I'll hear that. I'll find somebody who says, this is my first game here. I've wanted to come for years, and I'm so excited to be here. And they may not even be, be a Chiefs fan, mm-hmm. but they're, they're just glad to be at Arrowhead. Uh, so we understand the, the importance that it has to, to our fan base and, and the legacy of the stadium, and that will certainly be part of the decision. Clark, what's, what's, uh, let's say it's either Arrowhead or a new stadium, and if it's on the same site, what's kind of your dream vision for what the rest of that area looks like if Kaufman goes unused? Well, uh, something that we discussed – back in 2005 and 2006 was the ability to do some development uh, on, on the site. And at, at the time, uh, the, the feedback we received from, from the developers in Kansas City, you know, that area wasn't ready for, for development. It's something that we'll explore again um, because, you know, t- time's passed and, and uh, development patterns had, have changed. Uh, certainly, we we would love to see some more development or, around the facility. We think that'd be. You good. think like Titletown, like Lambo, even? Uh, uh, that you know, that's something that's very specific. That's sure. in a way attached uh, yeah. to the stadium. Uh, it's also a little bit like the lawn uh, here in Arizona uh, at the yeah. stadium. You know, which, which uh, since we were here at the beginning of the season, I, I got to see, and they they've. They've built some uh, sports bars and so forth on, on that, and, and the fans love being there. Uh, so if we have the space to do it, we'll, we'll definitely think about adding amenities outside the stadium, whether it's a, a new building or a renovation. A couple more quick questions here with Chiefs Chairman and CEO Clark Hunt. We had said don't get used to it. Uh, you've been to a couple of Super Bowls now. Are you superstitious? You got any routines you stick to? Uh, we, we, we try not to be uh, superstitious, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really hard. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, my, my wife and I always kiss each other before every game, okay. Okay. which is, which is uh, something that my parents used to do uh, before oh, wow. every game. We sort of picked that up from them. So that, 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 that'd be one, and one I enjoy. <laughs> no, 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 no pregame meal? You're not eating the same breakfast every morning before a game, nothing like that? No, no. I, I eat too much during the games anyhow. So It's like a nervous <laughs> eating? Are you a nervous watcher? I, I'm I'm totally a nervous eater. Yeah, and so and, and we've got popcorn, you know, right right inside. And I don't know how many times I visit the popcorn bin during the game. Clark, it's so weird because like any any time you get to like you know you own the Kansas City Chiefs when you get to this level, we hear like, hey, Clark likes this, or they're like, I don't know, I have Clark, I can ask him. I heard once that you eat way healthier half the year and less healthy the other half of the year. Is there any truth to that? 100% true. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Or it's like a six-month six month break of six months, healthy as can be, yeah. other six months, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and the six months I don't eat healthy tends to be during the football season. Okay. It, it's a football season. It's winter. And I refer to it as fat season. So this is basically, your, this is basically your last week, right? Yeah. Well, it, it always drags to about spring break. <laughs> It's, it's a really hard habit to break, but if you start sure. eating bad, it's it's hard to, uh, hard to get course. out of it. Of course, I know all about it. I constantly honor fat season in my yeah, life. 12 so. months. 12 <laughs> months a year. That's great. Clark, That's great. we really appreciate it. Let's just quickly, I know, look, we're going to get the answer. But we ask everyone their game predictions brought to you by Ag Power John Deere, your local authorized John Deere dealer, and by Papa Murphy's. Papa Murphy's every Tuesday order a large signature or thin crust pizza for $12 at PapaMurphy's.com. Your official game prediction? Do you have one for us, or are you going to wait till Sunday? Yeah, well, I, the, the Eagles are an outstanding franchise um, and a great football team. It's going to be a really close game, but I'm counting on Patrick Mahomes <laughs> pulling it out at the end. Seems wise. Clark, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. Thank That's you Clark so Hunt, Chiefs chairman and CEO of the Kansas City Chiefs, joining us here on Cody and Gold. If you miss any part of that, we'll get it back to you later in the show as well. But we obviously appreciate all the time Clark Hunt gave us today. We appreciate it so much. Thanks again, Clark.
as we get ready for the Chiefs Super Bowl here coming up on Sunday. We're going to be joined by Ryan Leaf here coming up in just a second as well. One guest to another. That's how it works here in Radio Row. Again, Alex is missing. He's a little bit sick, but we're going to get him ready one way or the other. That way we're ready to roll in. And happy to be joined by our next guest, Ryan Leaf. Former NFL quarterback as well. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Okay, so Ryan, I actually, I, I know we were here to talk the Super Bowl, but I know you talked to Lance Leipold earlier this year. I'm a Jayhawk, so can we just, hi, can I hijack this interview and talk And talk Kansas about football? Lance Leipold? Can we talk Kansas football for like 10, 15 minutes? Okay, not 10 I'll, I'll, or 15 ta- I'll talk about Kansas football for I'll give the next him two. hour. I'll give him two right. minutes. Right, that's <laughs> well, half our listeners are Mizzou fans, so they'll love this part. <laughs> um, dude, I'm a diehard Jayhawk, and obviously it's a huge year for Kansas, so I know you had Lance Leipold on your podcast earlier this year. What do you think about what they're building in Lawrence, man? I love it. You know, we I, I called a bunch of their games a year ago when he was when he first started, and I just we had a lot of shared values, and so he asked me to come speak to the team during fall camp, and I just knew there was something special. I'm a huge fan of Annie Kotelnicki's, his offensive coordinator guy. He's been with him for a long time. Incredibly innovative. I, I, yeah, just huge fan. I can't I can't speak to uh, you know what a great individual he is. What a great fit he is for for Kansas. And I do think you're going to see now a team that got back to a bowl game. This is going to be more the norm, more the rule rather than the seasons we've had over the, over the last decade or so. See, I'm already saying we. This yeah, is I know. It. I yeah, love yeah. this. Boy, you were bought in. He's going to be the quarterback I have, coach yeah. in Lawrence and no time. I have some follow-ups now. Okay. Uh, okay, in layman's term, can you explain to the casual football fan what makes Andy Kotelnicki's offense so innovative? Uh, well, he, he's incredibly multiple. He has no, he has no uh, like, boundary on what he's going to call and when he's going to call it, right? He's bought into data analytics and not in a way that makes you a, like a creepy scientist aspect of thing like, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, he is, he's found a variable that he can apply in the algorithm that's for gut. And that's, that's a difficult thing to do because when momentum and gut and, and games like that, you just can't go to the number. You just mm-hmm. you, you can't. Football, it's about feel sometimes. And so I love what he does. He, he practices. Um, he innovates with what he watches. And his, his favorite thing to do is watch teams at the NFL level and, and who have success and then implement them in a way that he can for guys that aren't as talented, right? They're not as talented, but he still wants to get the same kind of uh, schematic advantage by doing it. And there's times when I go and I call games, when I walk out of those coordinator meetings and I'm like, like that guy's going to be a head coach or that guy's going to be in the NFL someday. And that was one of the first things I thought of when I thought, uh, when I met with Andy Kolnicki and his staff when we were there. It's funny, you mentioned like uh, the feel between gut and analytics. I feel like that's Brandon Staley's problem. Like, we look at it like, oh, how come people can't oh, catch the Chiefs? Oh, so Staley can't figure out which one he wants to do. He did all analytics, and then he tried to do all gut. I'm like, dude, there's something in the middle, and you should probably find it if you want to catch up you with the Chiefs. You have to find that variable. You have to find it, and it has to go into the algorithm because if you don't, you'll never – it's never going to be the right fit because when you buy into data analytics, you have to go through it the whole time. Like, you, you bought in, it's, it's in. You have to do that. And he's been so up and down, and this year it just seemed like all over the place once again. And I really thought that I, I really thought that he was he had a chance of being fired on the tarmac after that. Oh, that I thought so too. You know, so um, but but the Dallas Cowboys did him and everybody who's a Chargers fan a huge favor and let Kellen Moore. Yeah, what do you think about that? Oh, that's I, a good fit for that. It's an absolute absolutely great fit. It gives uh, their quarterback who is extremely talented and. You, all of you in Kansas City know this better than anybody. He's the one guy that you probably fear coming in, you know, and there's not many in Arrowhead where you, where you fear anybody or anything. He's one of them. He, he can flat out 
uh, and has the experience of winning there and just the understanding of what it's about. So, yeah, it, that's a huge coup for the, for the Los Angeles Chargers to go get Kellen Moore, who's been incredibly good at what he's done in the NFL. You remember sitting through these, these years in the NFL where everyone is essentially just playing catch-up to the Colts or playing catch-up to the Patriots more, where it's just like, every, like in the South, it's like everything we do in the AFC South, there's nothing we can do to get past this team. I feel like everyone in the AFC all together collectively were like, all right, chips are in the middle. They, they go after Von Miller. You know, the, the Chargers made their big moves for two big defensive stars. They paid J.C. Jackson. They get Khalil Mack. They do everything. And still we're sitting here on Radio Road talking about the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I feel like that has to be mentally devastating to push all that in and still lose to the same team. Oh, it is. It is. And, I, you know, I, I was – I was all in on this Chiefs team when about midseason when I got asked the question, you know, who's going to be representing the AFC? And as much as the, the Bills did what you talked about, what the Chargers did, what, what, what Cincinnati was becoming, you know, and I really felt when the season was done in the regular season, Cincinnati was the best AFC team. I thought they were. Uh, but ultimately, Kansas City has proven that everything that goes through the AFC until something changes, it goes through Kansas City. In fact, it literally goes through Arrowhead because that's where the uh, you know AFC championships are being played for the last five seasons. Wouldn't expect anything less from this team, especially when you got 15 back there running the show. Would you think just at a the, the way that this is set up, like um, if you said you thought Cincinnati is the best team, do you think that they've already played their toughest game then? No, no. I, I thought okay. they were the best team in the AFC. Okay, I was like, do you think they've already played their most difficult game or the Eagles better? You know, if they win this football game. If they win this football game in this, uh, against the, this Philadelphia Eagles team and the talent that they have, you, you would have to argue that this is maybe one of the greatest uh, Super Bowl champions of, of all time, to be honest. I mean, it's weird because like, if either team wins, like especially the Chiefs, they've got one of the best quarterbacks of all time, they've got one of the best coaches of all time, they went 14-3, and three, they ran through a very deep AFC. I'm not so sure they haven't played their toughest game. Maybe the Eagles are more talented. But the Bengals were lined up to beat them. Like, they are a team very well designed to go against what Kansas City does. I'm not saying Philadelphia's not a very good team. They led the league in sacks. They had 14 wins, too. I just – I don't know if Cincinnati wasn't a harder matchup for them. I don't know what – other than the Eagles having, like, really good wide receivers or an elite defensive line, the Chiefs have one of the better offensive lines. These two teams are both good in the trenches. No, they're pretty – the more I've looked into it throughout the week, that checklist that I thought was predominantly checked off in the Eagles' side on a lot of things – it's more evenly balanced than than I would have imagined. And then, whatever whatever the scales are tipped in the in the advantage of the Eagles in this are immediately uh, are immediately uh, measured when you add 15 to the the equation. It just it, that's it. it. That that's it. That's the answer. And uh, but I mean, one statistic I keep going back to, and it's one that I think that's bared fruit, is the number one pass defense versus the number one pass offense in Super Bowls. It's happened twice. It's been incredibly embarrassing for the the number one pass offense. Yeah. So this would be a a, a, uh, a you know 180 degree lifestyle change for that to be the case in this game. Um, I just think 15 gives you that in any any sort of situation. Not that I have to talk you out of that, but it's like we looked at the stats because there's been five times over the last 20 years that the number one DV you know a top five DVOA pass defense wins again. The only win Mahomes, Mahomes against San Francisco. And that Tampa Bay one, that was another one they were up against. But I don't know. I can never get past the fact. I never want that game to be like, oh, it's because they were the number one pass defense. I'm like, that had nothing to do with it. Well, it's because he <laughs> lost two starting offensive yeah. linemen a couple weeks before the game. Yeah, uh, that's a huge factor, right? And uh, he had a, he had a toe issue in that game too, and he wasn't as he, he wasn't himself. This 
this game, the closer we get, and if the odds makers see it, the odds makers see exactly what, what you guys do. They see it as an even game. Otherwise, this, this line wouldn't change uh, or would be changing much differently than what it is right now. Real quick, Ryan, what do the Eagles do to leverage all of those guys on offense, specifically in the backfield with Jalen and Miles and Kenneth uh, Gainwell? What do they do to leverage – the linebackers and the defensive ends, how do they get you kind of in, in uncomfortable positions as a defense? Well, because as a defense and you're responsible for gaps, that's usually without entering the quarterback into the equation, right? Because he is so potent with his feet. It makes you make a decision. If we're going to play too high, you better have safeties and linebackers be able to come up and make tackles near the line of scrimmage. Because if you can't, you got to move somebody off that. And guess what? When you play man coverage against this team, you have a beast out on the perimeter in A.J. Brown. You have a guy inside in Devontae Smith that is faster, more agile than, than most guys that, that, that San Francisco or that uh, Kansas City may have seen. Uh, and then you add Quez Watkins, who's just a real speedster on the outside, mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard in the middle. This is a very, very good offensive football team, and they've really used the pass to set up the run and put teams away. I don't know if that's if that's possible because they, they certainly haven't been able to, to do that over the last few games. Their running game has been the, been the answer. Will we see you in Lawrence for a football game next year? Well, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, you know, I'll be calling <laughs> one. You know, that's right. you you know na- now that, uh, now that uh, they've become I, – I called their Texas Tech game late in the year this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, any, anything – I tell you right now, anything that Lance Leipold wants – I'm, I'm all over it. Love it. Yep. Let's get quickly your prediction brought to you by Ag Power John Deere. Ag Power, your local authorized John Deere dealer. And by Papa Murphy's. Papa Murphy's, every Tuesday, order a large signature or thin crust for $12 at papamurphys.com. Who do you think is going to win? Early in the week, it was Eagles by a bunch. It's slowly started to come back the other way. I, I do think the Eagles still get it done. I think the defensive front up is, is, just, is just too much to overcome for a quarterback that, that – if he strains it a little bit more, isn't able to do the same things with his feet, it could be a little bit of a problem. I do think this is a close game that ultimately ends up being a field goal uh, winner for, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Ryan, we really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. And I guess uh, you'll see my guy Nick That's here right. and Lawrence here in a couple of months. I do want to get uh, – I, I talked to the uh, their athletic director, uh, um, Travis Goff, and yeah. I, I'm going to try to get back for a, a Kansas Jayhawks basketball game too to Allen Allen Fieldhouse. I heard it's – just Nick's uncle's so. got great seats. Just yeah, ask I'll, him. I'll show you all the good spots. Too. <laughs> I, was, I was in college for about seven years, so I got it covered. <laughs> all right, guys. Ryan, right, really thanks, appreciate Ryan. it. Thanks so much. All right, bye. That's Ryan Lee, former NFL quarterback, joining us here on Cody and Gold. Great stuff from Ryan and from yeah. Clark Hunt. There's, like, stuff to get into from both. So I guess let's, let's take these one at a time. Let's talk about Clark Hunt because I, I do think that there's a certain level of complacency, but the stadium stuff interests me mm. because it's like, what, what do you want? The Royals have already announced. They're leaving. They're ditching. Whatever's happening next door to you is not happening anymore. What do you want next out of this? And he's like, I don't know. Ten years ago they told us this ain't right for development. I'm like, yeah, we know. Like, we've seen the, <laughs> we've seen the area around. Yeah. But a couple of teams, like the Cardinals, like Lambeau, they found a way to, like, build, Nick, like insular villages, if that makes sense, that gives them all this ability to – you know, come and go as they please, find these spots. They, You know, like, build your own little small town. Sorry there's nothing around you, but here's our small town, and you can come visit it. I feel like that's got to be what the Chiefs are thinking. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> how long have we been hearing about the development around uh, independence? Uh, probably since I built the state. I mean, I went alive in the 70s, but probably since then. Uh, here's my thing, and, and this is the thing, whenever you talk about doing stadium renovations or adding to it, you 
you want to preserve what's there, right? You want what you have, and I just want to make sure they don't do anything to that Taco Bell. And you want that to live? Yeah, I mean, you like a legacy. It's like a statue. Preserve the integrity <laughs> of the surrounding area. Okay. What's that hotel called? Uh, it's I don't know. Adams Mark is what I always thought of it was for a yeah, while. But it's not that, even that. That Denny's, anymore. man. That BP, like. That Denny's is not going anywhere. That'd be the most profitable Denny's in America if they actually put some other things around it. J.J. Piccolo waved at me, but I don't think he knew who I was. Yeah, but, you know, he probably thought you were Alex or something. But As I'm, a reminder, Alex is gone. He's but he's sick. met Alex. Mm, yeah, good point. Well, then so, I, He was just courtesy waving. He's he, a polite person. Does, does he not know how to get in? I don't think he sees these doors. I'm going to go help him out. Okay. okay? You I'm going to do my job. You know, because you didn't help him out earlier. He's going to help him out now, which does matter. J.J. Piccolo, Royals, general manager and vice president of baseball operations. He'll join us coming up in about... Ten minutes from now, we're talking about Ryan Leaf. I do think that the way that this Eagles team is designed is going to test one thing for sure for Kansas City, which is kind of what Nick was talking about when it comes to run stuff. Are you actually a good tackling team now? Or are you very simply just going through a hot stretch of being able to tackle? Because those are two very different things. It's actually been a bit of a bugaboo for both of these teams this year. We've seen the Eagles and the Chiefs have problems with tackling. So then you ask yourself the question about whether or not you're going to be capable of doing it over and over and over again. And that's and in the playoffs, they've had success. They've had success doing that a couple of times over. But then it doesn't always work that way. When you get set up, when you get them in this position, they're going to test whether or not Philadelphia is capable of making those kinds of stops you know, again and again, I think that we don't know that answer from Kansas City until we get into that game. And you honestly, you probably don't know that answer from them going into it either. So it's just you're, you're stuck back in this loop over and over again of trying to guess whether or not, you know, Kansas City is capable of making those tackles. Nick, you were talking about a little bit like Ryan Leaf, and you are asking about, like, the gap responsibility. It's going to put Kansas City's I, tackling at a real test. I wasn't talking about gap responsibility. Yes, you did. Well, you were talking about whether – well, he mentioned it after you asked about how they put you in uncomfortable positions. Yeah, I don't have enough confidence to use gap responsibility. To say responsibility. gap responsibility? You're in not, a sentence. No, I'm not. How did you know Ryan Leaf was so into the Jayhawks? I'm plugged – I pay You're attention in. to what's going on with Kansas football, man. Okay. Anybody's talking about Kansas football, I find out You about don't it. even care who it is? Ryan Leaf's a big Kansas Why didn't guy? you ask Clark Hunt about Kansas football? He was here just a moment ago. I don't think he's a big Kansas fan. He's an SMU guy. Mm. You think he follows SMU? I uh, think if you're the owner of a team, you can only really be. Like, owner, I feel like you, you're, you're mm-hmm. limited scope. We're, we're about to have an Eagles fan on. Yeah. But, you know, like it's a slightly different situation than normal. Yeah. We're going to take a break here, actually. Let's take an early break. Yeah. We'll come back in five minutes. That way we can get you to Royals general manager, J.J. Piccolo. He does happen to be an Eagles fan, but we'll get his thoughts on the Chiefs next. It's Red Half Hour every day at 1130 on Cody and Gold. Red Half Hour brought to you by Greenway Ford. It's a new day, a new way at the all-new Greenway Ford. Typically during this time, during the Chiefs Red Half Hour, we wouldn't have the Royals general manager, J.J. Piccolo, on, but, you know, you're here. We know you're an Eagles fan. You were already in Arizona, conveniently enough. The spring training is getting ready to kick off. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. I like to tell people I'm here for work, and there just happens to be a football game this <laughs> Sunday. So, but, but, yeah, we got in town Sunday. A lot of our – after Royals rally Saturday, a lot of our players headed this way, our staff headed this way, and, you know, just the timing was perfect. Very laid back, really optional workouts right now, but there's a good number of guys over at the, over at the complex. I got to feel like you're feeling pretty lucky right now based on the fact you grew up an Eagles fan. You're never going to do anything around the Super Bowl because you're in Arizona. I mean, you've been in baseball 20 years. Yeah. So every single year you head down to Florida or Arizona, yeah. 
yeah. and go somewhere else that's not where the Super Bowl is necessarily, and now you find your team in it. Yeah, it, it, the, the likelihood of this lining up the way it did is not very high, you know. So, um, you know, as the year went on, you started to realize, you know, the Chiefs went through a little bit of a lull early, and then they picked it up, and then they're, you know, AFC's so tough. I mean, that's the thing. The yeah. AFC and mm-hmm. NFC are really completely different leagues right now. Um, but the, the Chiefs got hot at the right time. They had to beat some good teams. And the Eagles had the injury late in the year with Jalen Hurts and even a few others. Uh, so it looked like they were losing some steam. But luckily, they got Hurts back for the regular season, had a bye week, make sure he's healthy, and then they played well the last two weeks. So it's the likelihood's not great, but it's happened. So just trying to enjoy it. Do you stay pretty locked in? I mean, are you every Sunday – yeah, you know, September and October, it's a little bit tougher, you know, just sure. because we're still playing. Sure. Um, but, I, but I watch. I'll tape the games. Uh, it's really in November when I really start paying a lot of attention. I, you know, it's, it's the only team in Philadelphia that I still follow, you know, religiously. Like, mm-hmm. I'm an Eagles fan. You're not still watching the Phillies. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that one ended when I went to work for the Braves. You know, so that, that one ended pretty quickly when the paychecks at Atlanta. So, same division, that one ended. But, um no, but, it, you know, it's neat. But but at the same time, you know, I've watched Andy Reid coach for 23 years now. You know, 14 years of Philadelphia, nine years here. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable what he's done. So I've become a Chiefs fan. But even when we first moved here in 06, we watched the Chiefs. My kids, I mean, I have pictures. I was joking with them this week, sending them pictures at Arrowhead where they had all their Chiefs gear on. Um, so we've become, we've become Chiefs fans. And being in the AFC and the NFC, it makes it a little bit easier. But I've watched Andy Reid for so many years, and it's hard not to like the guy and respect what he's done. Uh, so this is kind of a weird feeling, um, but it but it's it's going to be a neat one. It'll be a memorable one. Should be a great game. I mean, it's like the two probably you're the closest with. You said your kids like so they grew up all in Kansas City. Are they way more Chiefs fans than Eagles fans, or did you impart a little Eagles? Yeah, on? they they got. They got pushed a little bit, so they're, they're, <laughs> they're Eagles fans. Early on, they were born on the East Coast, so sure. but they, they don't remember the games. But they're sports fans. They're avid sports fans. So to have two teams to root for every Sunday is fun. Uh, but as they've gotten older, and especially when the Eagles went through the run five years ago, that they've really, you know, they're, they're great. We're actually season ticket holders as well, so they go to the games every Sunday. They're in school in Philadelphia, so they've, they've bought in. You know, so and that city's kind of hopping right now with the Phillies having a good year and the Eagles having a good year. Uh, it's a good time to, to be in that town. The Royals are well represented. We have Vinny as our resident Jets fan, our NFL insider, Michael Massey, Bears fan. So if you're looking for – if you want to do, you know, maybe – NFL talk. Be, be an <laughs> Eagles insider next season. Yeah, We've got an opening. Well, I don't know. I, I actually hesitated to even come on and talk about the Eagles because you know, I love Kansas <laughs> Someone City. Someone in Kansas City is going to be like, hey, yeah. you like a team when yeah. you were a kid? Well, How dare you? <laughs> you, know what, you know what's really funny about baseball is the NFL is really like ties a lot of players together in our clubhouse, especially when it gets to fantasy draft time. That's all the oh, banners yeah. about. We've heard about, about We've heard about some of those the NFL. stories. And, and Vinny's taking it to another level. But I could pretty much tell you every guy on our team's favorite NFL team. They're all NFL fans. Uh, so it is good back yeah. and forth, and it's fun. So I had, uh, I had asked Vinny if he was going to the game, and he had said, ah, I'm not sure yet. You know, we're working on those things. And I had, I had suggested that uh, just that Grinky buy for all of it. I was like, he's made a lot of money. <laughs> I'm not so sure that he shouldn't just yeah. pop for the whole team. Yeah, well – he probably could. I don't know if he probably could. <laughs> when you look back at uh, – are you going to go, by the way? Are you going to the yeah, game? Yeah, we, we ended up getting two tickets, so my wife Nicole and I are going to go on Sunday. Okay, so this is – is this your first ever trip to a Super Bowl? It is. It is. You know, in, in 04, uh, we were living in Atlanta, and they were – Eagles played uh, the Patriots in Jacksonville. 
I went down on Friday night, had some relatives that were down there, stayed with them, but I had a, a budget I was not going to go over to buy a ticket uh, with young kids. It just didn't yeah, make you're a like, whole okay, lot of sense. Yeah, you're like, okay, I got a max. So at noon on Sunday, that was my cutoff. If I didn't get a ticket on by noon on Sunday, I was driving back up the highway to get back to Atlanta and watch a game at home. Uh, it was a great game. Ended up losing by three points. And then when we were in Minneapolis, you know, all of our kids were in high school getting ready to go to college. Um, it it would have been a $50,000 trip, you know. And I said, you know what, we're just going to make the most of it, sit here as a family and, and watch it at home. And it was a, it was a great Sunday. Like when you, yeah, because that's it. It's like for two of you, it's easier now, right? The kids are Much in college. Easier. You got two tickets. Yeah. You're nobody, like, nobody's okay. trying to like, hey, get me a ticket. They're all in school and they have no choice but to be in school. Okay, so, so no, nobody tried. You didn't, yeah. you didn't even get no. like one text from the kid and be no. like, hey – well. <laughs> because that's it. Like we're we, we are so low on the connection ladder. Even I have someone be like, "Do you have access?" You're just like, "Who do you think I am?" There's just no. I it's don't. It's a tough ticket. I don't it, have. It's any. tough. It's really tough. Even to if you're tickets. connected, it like if you are high difficult. up, it's hard to still be like, "Do you have Super Bowl tickets?" Yeah. That's why they're five or six thousand dollars. They're 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 not easy to get. And I was pulling out all the strings. And this time, because I was here, the logistics of it was much easier. In the past, it was okay. Can we get tickets? But where are we going to stay? Are we going to fly? Are we going to drive? This one was just too easy, so I pulled out all the strings and ended up landing two tickets. All right, so let's get a quick actual opinion on the game, and I want to ask you a couple of things about the Royals as well. As you guys are getting yeah. ready to start, I mean, yeah. you are starting spring training yeah. now, and then I think uh, all the World Baseball Classic guys are yeah. in starting Monday, starting right? Monday, pitchers and catchers Monday for okay. World ba- uh, WBC. Yeah, so you got all those guys. But what do you actually, you know, from a from a game perspective, watch the Eagles? What should scare Chiefs fans the most for a, for a guy who's watched the Eagles as much yeah, as you have this year? Well, first, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, you know, the, the thing that the Eagles have done well, they've been able to adjust and, and score in different ways. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. So I think offensively, that's that's their strength. They've got a great offensive line. And then defensively, um, they, they've done a great job all year. You know, they, they almost set a, a sack record in the NFL. So they're, they're pretty balanced. But the thing that scares you is, is Patrick. I mean, yeah. you, got, you got Mahomes. Yeah. So he can beat anybody. And, and that's where I think this is going to be so interesting. And, again, these teams are hot. They're playing well. I, I think there's something to be said for playing close games going into the Super Bowl uh, rather than, you know, Eagles had two Eagles kind of had a walk had, yeah. because of the way the Brock Purdy injury yeah, went down. Yeah, they got, they got fortunate. And even listening to some of the, the interviews this week with the players, they, they acknowledged that. They said, you know, it was almost like you, you, know, you felt bad because you want it to be a good game. You know, so some of that momentum, I think the momentum favors the Chiefs going into the game because they've had tougher games to, to win. Um, but but when you have Patrick and Kelsey and all these weapons, Pacheco is unbelievable. I, yeah. I mean, what a pick that, that he's is. had a run. Um, I mean, he's exciting to watch. They're they're just so talented. You know, they can beat you and, and they they can score points fast. So, you know, I don't know. If, you know, I'm kind of you know almost because the Eagles. I think they're still a favorite. It was like a point and a half. Yeah, about a point. Um, I don't like that. You know, I'd rather be the underdog. <laughs> well, that's the whole. The Chiefs so very yeah, rarely yeah, get to that's claim Philly. underdog. You got, Je- yeah. you got Jason Kelsey wearing the underdog masks, yeah. walking off the field. Yeah, that's that's where you get. All right, let's not get too confident here. But but regardless, I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Um, but that's my amateur take on NFL football. But that's watching these two teams. I've seen them play enough. Honestly. Better than Vinny normally gives us. So look, it's fine. Right? I'm gonna let him know you said that. <laughs> okay. First, I also tell. I tried to make him a, I tried to make him a friend last night at media night. So we have special audio for Vinny coming up on Thursday. I don't know if you've heard the bit. We're actually bringing him on as interns on Thursday. He and Mike. Yeah, we're gonna send him around and make good. him work a little We're bit. Do it, make him do That's grunt good. work. Yeah, they'll do a great job. They'll, Vinny they'll won't. Love yeah, it. Vinny's six four. I'm sure he looks like the prototypical yeah. college intern. This is Massey kind of does. He does. That's what's kind of funny. You actually brought something up. Maybe a. Nice parallel between baseball and football. You talk about the Chiefs winning close games. 
Cody and I kind of have debated this a lot with close games, and there's the margins are so thin that you could maybe chalk it up to randomness at times. But when you're watching, whether it is you want to do football or baseball, is there something intrinsic or something that is unquantifiable about how there are certain teams that are just better or certain players that are bigger in those moments than others? Um, you know, the, one of the things that, that I've always said, when your best players are your best competitors, you got a chance to win. Uh, but usually what comes along with that is they're smart players. They understand, you know, the, the game. It's Hosmer running home, right? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, you know, and you watch some of these games, and you know, a, a non-Chiefs-Eagles game. You know, it was a playoff game. Somebody had a chance to ice a game, and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't stay in bounds. He gets a first down. Uh, and he doesn't stay in bounds. He goes out of bounds, and now the other team gets a chance to get a possession. The good teams don't do that. And the, the teams with great leaders like Patrick and, you know, it seems like Jalen Hurts is becoming that, that yeah. type of guy as well, they don't allow their team to make mistakes. And, and that's what championship te- teams do. And when we had Haas and others, Sal, um, they didn't allow us to, to take a day off, take an inning off. It was constant push. And that's what the great ones do. And it is very difficult to measure. And I really – don't think you know when you go into a draft, you draft somebody, you think you know that, but until you see it in action, yeah. you really don't. And Patrick, it was very evident. And obviously the Chiefs knew. You know, they, they had Alex Smith. I think he came off a Pro Bowl year. Yeah. And they said, you know what, Patrick is the guy. He's got that thing, and they've taken off ever since. In fairness, Clark Hunt, who was sitting here before you, he's a couple of guests before you, he was sitting here and he said Brett Veach used to just text him clips of Mahomes from practice. When Alex was still the starter, like, dude, I don't know. He's just doing weird stuff. Nobody <laughs> does these things. Like, it is I feel like that must, be, that must be fun as a general manager where you're like, okay, yep, that's special. Absolutely. I don't see that very often. It's different. And you know it. Once you see it, you know it's different. It really stands out. Yeah, I mean, even when he's hurt the other couple weeks when he first hurt his ankle, I mean, he threw a touchdown pass off of both feet. Yeah. I mean, how many quarterbacks throw a touchdown pass off of one foot, yet alone both feet? Oh. He's just a special, one special of one. guy. Who was the Royals player you remember with that the most, where you're like, okay, like it just stands out as being like, that's so much different than everyone else. That stands out. You know, Haas is the easy choice, but, you know, in a, in a neat kind of way, one of the guys that was like that for us was Gerard Dyson. Okay. So amongst all these all-star games and gold gloves these guys won, Gerard Dyson had the it factor, you know, and, and he motivated the team. What was it? Wasn't it's confidence. It's a fearlessness. And Dice, you know, get on, he knew his role. He was going to come in late yeah. in the game, steal a bag, and he stole it every single time. Uh, he was also the guy, if, if we weren't playing well, he was the guy that would call others out. You know, he was a mm-hmm. winner, you know, and, and we didn't know that. when Dra- Dice was a 50th, 50th round yeah. draft pick. <laughs> you know, those guys, they, we, we go 20 rounds now. I mean, he's long forgotten. But 50th round pick, once he started to hit stride in the minor leagues, he became a little bit of a leader. When he started playing every day in double A, it's like, you know what, there's something with this guy. So and, and all these great teams have guys like that. If you want to call them role pay- players or whatever it may be, they all have guys like There's somebody in the Chiefs clubhouse or locker room, I should say, in football uh, that has that it factor as well that maybe isn't the superstar like Patrick or Travis or any of those guys. There's almost no way you could have talked to him. The 50th round pick, he had a, he's had a 12-year Major League Baseball career. Pretty special. Pretty special. You're, you're, you rarely see that. I mean, I, I want to say it's something like 4% of the players that ever – play in the major leagues get to 10 years you know and then to think that a 50th rounder did that uh, it's it's pretty special yeah. what, what he's able to accomplish and to walk away with a world series championship 
How many years is this, do you know, uh, for you just being in the front office in general? What year is this that you're going into? Uh, first year in the office was 04, so it's 19 years in front office. I think it's my 24th year overall, 1999, uh, hired in the fall of 1999. I was a college coach and then got hired as a scout, moved into the office halfway through 2004. What's your, what's your biggest scouting win? Oh, yeah. Who is who is your Patrick Mahomes, right? Who is uh, your like I wish the I guy say, you were you were sure of? Yeah, you know, I wish I could say I had one. Um, <laughs> I had a, I had a handful make the major leagues, but the the ones that you're most proud of are the ones that were drafted after the tenth round. And I'm not saying that just because we we're talking about dice, but those high picks. That, there's multiple people making those decisions, but when you get past the tenth round, it's on the area scout, huh. you know, to really identify. So there was a guy named Anthony Larue, and to bang, bang the table, right, and be like, yeah. "This is my guy." Yeah, no, that's that's what it was. Anthony LaRue was a high school kid uh, out of Pennsylvania. You know, I happened to bump into him. He came to a tryout camp that I ran. Uh, he pitched in the big leagues for the Braves. Then we actually had him briefly in Kansas City. Uh, Kevin Barry's another one who was a late pick that, that got to the big leagues. So not how, household names, but you know as a scout you did your job and you helped the club get a little bit deeper and a little bit better. So they're the ones I remember more than the high picks. When you get to this point, when you guys are getting down for spring training, just kind of really getting things ramped up, do you generally have an idea or do you think you have an idea of what this given team's identity is going to be that year? Or is that something you maybe kind of just sit back and let happen naturally? I think it will evolve. I think from an offensive standpoint, we're going to be able to score in multiple ways, but we'll be able to score using the base, base paths like we did in the past. Uh, we have some guys that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Now, we're never going to count on that. I don't think it's a, a wise way to go. You want to put together good at-bats, get on base, put pressure on the defense, and if you happen to hit a three-run homer, you're probably going to win that game. Um, so, you know, the identity will evolve as we go. Um, you know, from a pitching standpoint, I think where, where I'd like to see our, our, our identity go is be more aggressive in the strike zone. Our guys have really good stuff, and they've just got to make that next step where they're aggressive in the strike zone. Uh, putting hitters away but not being focused on strikeouts. That's where a guy like Zach Greinke can really help our pitchers, just the way he's able to evolve over the years. And the way he pitches now is very different than the way he pitched before, but he's still very effective. Um, but I, I think that identity to your question will evolve over the course of the season. But, you know, my messaging, um, you know, when we open up here to the team is, is going to be pretty simple. We want to play hard and we want to play smart. You know, they all do their work. They all get in the cages. I mean, they're in the cages at 730 in the morning for the next six weeks, hitting for an hour and a half. They do all their deal. They're going to work hard. But if we can take that hard work to a team concept and play hard and play smart, then our identity will come out and, and we'll win more ball games. I think you, so you guys recently officially announced the signing of Zach Grinke. I think everybody knows him because, like, you're like, oh, he's quirky or we know the kind of career he had. How hard of a worker is he? Unbelievably hard. It, it was – our, our dialogue with, with Zach from really when the season ended, we were in touch with each other quite often. But he went to work right away out here in Arizona. He lives in Arizona in the offseason. Uh, there's a facility out here where he had specific things he wanted to address. So he never stopped throwing. I mean, he knows how to pace himself, but he never stopped throwing because he's motivated to, to play better. forever, seemingly. Yeah. He said, incredible. as long as I feel like I can pitch well, I'm going to pitch. Yeah, and you know what? I wouldn't put anything past him. Uh, he's incredibly smart. He's driven. Uh, you know, the, the best thing, uh, he was asked the other day about the Hall of Fame stuff. You know, he said, some days I think about it, some days I don't, but ultimately I just want to get better. And if he can keep getting better, and better now means a little bit different. It has a different meaning to Zach than it did 15 years ago. Now he's just trying to figure out how to continue to be effective. But he's got some pretty special milestones that he can hit on, 
you know, this season and maybe even into the 24 season. Uh, but he's a he's a special guy. They they don't come around too often like him. It's so weird because like I don't feel like I remember anyone's career arc being there. So, like Justin Verlander still throwing 99. Yeah. Okay. He's 38, yeah. 39 years old. He's still throwing 99 miles an hour. Now he admitted that like the first part of his career he just like coasted on talent, yeah. and then eventually was like you know I should probably study these hitters and there's other yeah. ways I can get them out. Zach also used to throw 100, but now he's, he, he gets in games and he throws a 54-mile or 49-mile-per-hour yeah. yeah. pitch. <laughs> it's a very bizarre way to go about playing yeah. baseball. I don't feel like I remember anybody playing it no, that way. There, there have been some guys over the years, um, you know, typically it's lefties. You know, like Jamie Moyer. Yeah, Moyer. He's he like 45 play. years old or whatever it was. Typically it's left-handers because they have that advantage. But you and they're weird guys anyway. Everybody yeah. knows that. <laughs> I won't say that. I'll let you say that. Um, but um, – but Zach's just continued to evolve. But what's really neat about our game now that, like, the, the with the way guys train, I mean, you, you're watching all-stars and potential Hall of Famers on Twitter throughout the offseason continuing to work at their craft, whether it's hitting or pitching and, you know, the, the facilities are working out or posting their work. It's, it's unbelievable how driven they are because you, you, you go through stages. Do I belong in the big leagues? That's the sta- stage one. Now I, I want to be an everyday player, stage two. Now I want to be an all-star. And if you're an all-star enough, now you're thinking about Hall of Fame. So the great ones just keep going and going and going. And there's just no stopping their worth, work ethic. What Talk- do you think about, the, sorry, from the left-handed perspective, just what advantage do you guys have as a lefty-heavy lineup in a league that no longer allows a shift? Yeah, I, I think it will favor us. I think some of the, the uh, new rule, rule changes will favor us anyway. Um, you know, we have some guys that can steal bases. So you got bigger bases. You got pickoff rules that we'd like to take advantage of. Uh, with all the left-handed hitters that could potentially be in our lineup, there's going to be more holes on the left side of the infield. The the left-handed hitter um, data will show you that it was more affected by the shifts than the right-handed hitter. Um, so it, you know, Vinny and Massey and the guys you were talking about, Nicky Lopez, they may squeak in a few more hits this year um, with with that shift going away. So it should it should help us. It's certainly not going to hurt us. With that youth movement that you guys have going on. A guy like Zach, specifically, aside from what he brings to the table as a pitcher, you talk about that work ethic, what he's been through in the league. He's seen it all. He's reached the top. How important was it when you guys are going through the process of negotiating and bringing him back? How much did you weigh that in versus just the baseball side of things, knowing yeah. the impact that he can have on other guys in the clubhouse? Yeah, it, it was it was secondary because we wouldn't spend the money we spent on a player if we didn't think he could be an effective pitcher. Mm-hmm. So his talent still was the primary reason we signed him. But secondarily, you watched how our pitchers just sort of were in awe of him. Really? You know? and, and when you talk to a guy like Salvi who's caught so many good pitchers and, hey, Salvi, should, should we bring Zach back? Absolutely. He's the most prepared guy I've ever been around. Uh, and there's a lot to be said for that because we, we do have still a, a youthful pitching staff. What we tried to do with Zach and Jordan Lyles and Yarbrough, uh, we acquired Josh Taylor in, in a trade. Uh, what we tried to do was get deeper uh, and take some pressure off, unnecessary pressure that young players, it's tough to shoulder that burden. Last year, that was what we were going through. So even though we're deeper, there's still going to be plenty of opportunities for our younger pitchers to evolve into the type of guy that can help us win the Central. Uh, but Zach is a, a big part of that um, you know, building blocks that we're putting in place. It kind of forces them into competition against each other again, though, right? Like in the minors, because like Lyles and Green, you'd be like, okay, here's a couple of guys they're going to start. There's two spots and there's five of you. So who wants to pitch that's, the best? And competition always breeds excellence. I mean, that that's the name of the game. And, I, you know, you watch teams. Like I remember when the Yankees were in last year. Every every night they had two guys who had played in an all-star game on their bench. You know, they were <laughs> yeah. extremely sure. deep. 
The Dodgers are extremely deep. The Astros are extremely deep. Um, so, you know, looking at that and you start saying, okay, these teams, why are these teams successful? Yeah, they have bigger payrolls, but we can be deep too. So how can we do it effectively, efficiently, and, and still provide opportunity? And I think we're in a good spot with what we've done, what we've done our pitching. Uh, we do have some non-roster invites on the position player side that I think is going to create competition as well, guys that have significant major league experience. And it's an open competition. You know, we, we need to compete with one another, put the best players on the field so we can compete in the central. How eager are you on a personal level? You've obviously, you're familiar with all these guys, familiar with the organization, to get this season going knowing it's you in a new role and everything that comes with that on a personal level. Just how eager are you to get this going? You know what, it hit me last week um, after we had officially agreed to terms, maybe it's two weeks ago now with, with Zach. When we officially agreed to terms, it started like hitting me, okay, we got a new coaching staff because all of our focus was on the coaching staff in the fall. We interviewed over 30 people uh, for all the various jobs that were open. Uh, but then, it, you know, when I was sitting in my office one day and I'm looking actually at Arrowhead Stadium and I'm thinking, okay, it, it, it's time to go. Like this, we're ready for the start of the season. So I'm anxious for it. Uh, the wheels are always spinning. You know, now we're thinking more structurally, uh, organizationally, what can we do during the course of the season as a front office, aside from just the personnel in the field, to plan for next off season. You know, whether it's additional jobs, expanding staffs, creating new departments, uh, all of those thoughts are starting to roll into my mind now, uh, but was preoccupied in the fall. But luckily, we do have a good front office. I uh, believe in everybody we have working with us that have a real clear direction on where we're going. Uh, but we want to continue to challenge each other in thoughts, ideas, being creative. And that's where I'm at personally right now. And I'll sit back and enjoy watching and evaluating our team. And the excitement of opening day is, is always tremendous. JJ, before we get you out of here, we got to get your game prediction brought to you by Ag Power, John Deere. Ag Power, your local uh, he's been, John he's Deere. He's over this and one. And by yeah. Papa Murphy's. Papa yeah. Murphy's every Tuesday order a large signature or thin crust pizza for $12 at PapaMurphy's.com. Are you, are you going to abstain? I'll just say it'll be a three-point game. <laughs> <laughs> one way or the other. i got to ride defense on that one. I, I, I don't blame you. That's I, fine. I, yeah, I don't want to say the Eagles because that, that'll jinx them. I don't want to say the Chiefs because – That'll jinx the, jinx the Chiefs. So I'm just going to say a three-point win one way or You another. say it's close. So well, good game. I think, I think it's going to be a great game. So we're in for a good really game. Do. That's great. JJ, yeah. really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming down to Radio Row. Thanks for coming with me. Thanks All for having me. Enjoyed it. JJ Piccolo, Royals Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations and, of course, the General Manager. When we come back, we'll have a chance to hear from the head coach, Andy Reid, coming up next here on Cody and Gold. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.